second one in it, it will be like not we won't be here for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> that is the truth. I uh, welcome to a possibly shorter episode of movie cinema film. We're your hosts, Leah and Jordan. I didn't know that you were recording. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just started recording. I you, do that sometimes. So, wait, you did the sound check without me? Like, I didn't even do a sound check. You're the last person to use this, so. Oh, so we're fine? Yeah, it should be good. But what if you listen to this later and we sound like Marge Simpson? I don't think you're going to sound like Marge Simpson. Okay. Your voice doesn't have similar uh, <laughs> timbre. Well, people love her anyway, so yeah. it would probably be fine. So the movie we're talking about today is not Hungarian, it's not Thai, it's not British, it is an American pickle. I just wanted to specify because of how many different kinds of pickles there are in the world. Wow. I have only had American pickles in my lifetime. (laughs) I've never eaten pickles from other countries. Wow, you're such a racist, like... Oh my god. Ugh. I've left the country like once and came back. Well, you should leave again. Get out of here. Eat those maybe, pickles. Maybe, maybe in the future. Uh, if we uh, have our travel ban out of the country, <laughs> lifted ever by other countries. I, I was right. just talking about how I wanted to like drive to Alaska and how fun that would be. But then I realized I couldn't even go to Canada, right? Oh We're not god. allowed in Canada. No, no, no. Not allowed yet. Major bummer. It really is. We have to stay in the States. Um, Unless somebody wants to uh, traffic me across the border. Oh my gosh, smuggle me. Yeah. um, Our first date. If you guys have the Canadian uh, underground hookup, the tunnels that go underneath um, the border line. Oh my god. In the north. um, (laughs) What if people busted in here right now and they were like, (laughs) We are the (laughs) Canadian. Um, LeBron, I'm watching LeBron on the TV. Yeah, he's just trying to get that, the short one. How does he get, (laughs) (laughs) how does he get a mask over that beard? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the altitude is different up there. I don't think they're wearing masks in the bubble, are they? Not on the court. I think they're all tested like every day, right? It's like, because the NBA was the first thing to shut down, really. Yeah, but also it is a bubble. Like, there's not many people who get into it. Yeah. Like, they're very strict about who gets into it, I think. Oh. And there's so much money on the line, and it's very controlled because it's in one place. I miss going to games. Yeah. Um, hopefully in, like, three years we'll be able to go to public <laughs> events. Can't wait for that <laughs> Knicks game in 2024. But, yeah, we uh, watched American Pickle. I think Leah watched it a little bit longer ago than I did. No, I watched it, like, a few days ago. Like, I watched it right under the wire. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Ty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what what did you hear about it going into it? I heard that, well, I listened to Seth Rogen's interview on Stern, because I always, I love Stern, and I have been listening to Seth's interviews on there since the beginning. So, since, like, the beginning of his career, so I always love when he is on there. I feel like they have a good relationship, and, um, Howard was asking him, like, because I hadn't heard anything about it until I listened to this, and I was like, oh, Seth Rogen must have a new movie out, and, uh... Can I cut you off? What? 
I went in the wrong order of our podcast. We just started talking about American that. Pickle. <laughs> we I was to, thinking that, but I was like... We have to talk about the theme. Wow. It's been a long weekend. We're both just like, what's going on? So it's fine. I was I was saying maybe in my head, I'm just like, maybe he just wants to switch the <laughs> format, which I guess doesn't really matter, but... I don't have that much power. Really? I only have one share, and then you have the other share. I know. That's yeah. true. So what we usually do on this podcast, if you're the first, um, if this is your first listen, welcome. We take... If this is their first listen, they stop listening. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> They're like, these people are not on the same page. Um, so we normally pick, we each pick a movie or two that are related to the movie that we're reviewing, except not really. It's kind of more like an A to C thing. Thematically related in yes. some far out way. Whoa. Whoa. So we are doing movies that have a food in the title to go with an American pickle. So Jordan, would you like to go first? What, how many did you? I just did one. Did you have multiple? You just did one. This I did two. Um. Wow. So I guess you should go first if you have two. Yes. Okay. So... Um, the, the, I have two honorable mentions, but I'm not going to talk about them because I've talked about them on the podcast before. But one is Tangerine, and one is Wild Strawberries. Mm. Both superior films. And then my runner-up is Mystic Pizza. Whoa. Have you seen Mystic Pizza? I have not, but you've talked about it a lot. I have? I feel like you have. Maybe not. You've definitely recommended it to me. The thing is, like, it's hard for me to remember the conversations I've had with you off, off like, pod. Yeah. and on. Sometimes I think I talked about a movie on our podcast, but I actually realized that I didn't, and I just talked to you about it <laughs> privately, so I don't know. Anyway, so it's about these three girls who work at a pizza place the summer after their last year of high school in Mystic, Connecticut. And it's one of Julia Roberts' first movies. She was really young. I don't even know how young, maybe like 20. And it also has Lily Taylor and, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the the third girl, but she's worked like so much. She's done so many different movies. They all have really interesting storylines and I just love like, first of all, I just love the 80s vibe of this movie. Like it's so, like, it's not 80s in an annoying way, but, like, you really get the sense, I think, of what it was like to be, like, a young woman in the 80s, right right after high school, kind of just in, like, in that in-between, like, that weird time where you're just like, oh, wow, I graduated high school, like, should I go to college, what should I do? And there's so many good scenes in this, you just really feel like they're sisterhood. It's a really good coming-of-age movie, and it's also a great slice-of-life movie, which I feel like a lot of people claim that certain movies are slice of life movies and they're not because I'm I'm always thinking to myself well but that it does have a plot like the whole point of the movie is this or that but this is truly just a slice of life yes there are plot points that happen like the Lily Taylor character um, she actually is dating Vincent D'Onofrio in one of his early performances and she just keeps like she, she keeps kind of denying that they're a thing, and I think she's afraid to have a real relationship, and maybe she, she puts on this front that he's not good enough for her or whatever, and she kind of goes through this arc of just trying to realize that, you know, maybe, maybe he's okay, and she shouldn't be so, <laughs> she shouldn't have her boxing gloves on, 
And uh, Julia Roberts, her sister, is the, the actress, I can't think of her name. She has a very scandalous storyline, and there's this awesome scene between the two of them that anybody will remember from the movie, which I'm not going to, like, reveal what is going on, but her sister comes into the pizza place after hours, and Julia's, like, mopping the floor or something, and it's one of those great acting scenes where the actor has to be, like, doing a task in the middle of a fight, and I love that. It's a very interesting challenge when you're an actor to have to keep doing something while you're mad or whatever, and she just... Julia just, like, yells at her about the situation, and it's just such a good scene. They do so well, and I don't know. I think, like, I think it's really for everybody, but I definitely think that young girls, teenage girls, should watch it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Should I watch it, too? Yeah. Okay. I will also watch it. Because you like a wide range of movies. You're not like, oh, I only want to see the Hulk, you know? I only watch boy movies. Yeah. I'm a boy. Uh, that's actually, uh... A good segue for the film that I chose. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I chose The Watermelon Woman. Have you seen that? No, I've never even heard of that. Uh, it's a film by Cheryl Dunya, and it was on Criterion Channel, so I watched it when I was on there, but it is like a classic uh, to a lot of people, um, and it follows this uh, black lesbian who works in a video store and, like, how she decides to research this actress who was, like, uncredited but was, like, the watermelon woman in, like, a movie, like, basically playing a mammy role, like, a very racial stereotype. And it's, like, part, like, mockumentary kind of, like, comedy, romance, drama. Yeah. Uh... And it was very interesting. And as a white man in America, I was not exposed to this. And it was mm-hmm. very good shit. Um, and, yeah. When did it come out? In 1996. So it's basically as old as me, almost. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I That's amazing. I've yeah. never heard of this movie. So it actually... She's a really good director. I started watching all of her stuff. And then I just looked into her, because uh, they had it all on the Criterion channel. If you get the Criterion channel, you can watch all her films. Get it, bitch. I actually um, just resubscribed to Shudder because it's October. Uh, um, but she uh, was directing an episode of Lovecraft Country, according to her credits. And she has also directed episodes of The Shy, which is Lena Waits' show. Ah. Yeah. So she directs a lot of TV. Well, that is awesome. Thank you for telling me about it. I've never even heard of that movie. And I was trying to think if I can think of any other black lesbian movies, and I thought of Set It Off, which weirdly is came out the same year as this, or maybe right around the same time. But that's really, that's really it. There needs to be more... There just needs to be, obviously, like more black movies in general, but there needs to be a more wide range of black people in movies, too different personalities people are not it's not just like I feel like even I mean things are changing now but I feel like even in movies that are supposed to be progressive I'm like oh so this person is still like their their character is still just black person yeah you know this film is very like it's just perfect in so many ways because like just the idea of her researching what she's researching is just, like, very much making a good point about, like, American film. And it's just pointing out so many 
things that like American film has said was okay that's just clearly not okay Mm -hmm. and like a lot of the sensibilities that we have today are sensibilities that she was talking about in 1996 and stuff like that and like pointing out how racist we are in film and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um as a society in America um whoever was making the films I wasn't making the racist films um, back Jordan then. is not responsible for this, you guys. I'm just saying. Exonerate him because he has not been doing anything wrong. And my parents were not filmmakers in the industry. No. So they're not responsible for racist films in the industry. We are free and clear. Um, yeah, no, but it's just, uh, it's just a great film. Uh, I highly recommend if people are trying to um, just expand their filmmakers base Cheryl Dunier is I definitely want to a watch perfect it. Uh, place to start she has a very wide uh, catalog um, yeah let me put this on my list from you because I uh, you keep a list yeah because a me list uh-huh. I have a list of I have a list of qualities I love in Jordan. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I have a list of movies because from the other day you gave me a lot of recommendations on our horror movie episode. Tune in if you haven't heard it. And I'm going to put The Watermelon Woman on that. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay, so my number one pick. Now, this isn't really food. It's a candy, but I figured it counted. And it's Jawbreaker. I've never seen this film. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. It is so good. It's one of my movies I grew up with, which is a little scary, but I think it's 98 or 99, and it's... (laughs) Probably do a bad site. (laughs) Oh, did it? It keeps bringing me to jawbreaker.com, which is not a registered IP. Oh. That is like trying to steal my information and make me touch clickbait. Now I Googled it. So, it's a very... It's a dark high school comedy. It's kind of in the vein of Heather's, and... You know it's good because it has dismembered female body parts. Absolutely. Coming up from the floor. So, a little dark. Um, So, it's about these four friends in high school, and they... I guess they have a tradition where on each of their birthdays, they, like, kidnap each other in their bed in the morning and, like, take them somewhere fun or whatever at, like, 6 a.m. And so the three girls go to Liz, um, the the girl whose birthday it is. They go to Liz's house and take her out of bed in the morning. And in order to stop her from screaming, they put a jawbreaker in her mouth, like one of those big ones. And um, I don't know if they had done this before with success or not, but they put her in the trunk and then when they get to their destination where they're going to take her out, they see that she has died. She choked to death on the jawbreaker. And the other three girls are played by Rose McGowan, Julie Benz, and Rebecca Gayhart. And they're, all of them are really good in it. And Rose is kind of like the villain. She plays Courtney. And she's kind of sickly amused by what's happened. And the other girls are, like, horrified. Julie Benz plays Marcy. She's kind of like the dumb one. She's just like going along with what Courtney says because she doesn't have really an opinion of her own. And then Julie is played by Rebecca Gayhart, and she's the one who kind of feels really bad about it and can't believe what happened and is just like traumatized. And so in order to not go to jail, 
uh, Courtney's like, we have to hide the body. Like, we have to, uh, or no, not hide the body. We have to make it look like a murder. And, like, we'll just make it look like some guy came into her bed at night and, like, killed her. And they are just so scared that they go along with it. And then another girl that goes to their high school, this really nerdy girl named Fern, played by Judy Greer, who's in, like, every movie. <laughs> she's she's awesome. I, I actually really love seeing her in movies. She uh, happens to come to the house because she had, like, a study date or something with Liz, and so she witnesses them, like, carrying her body in or something like that. And so in order to blackmail her into not telling the cops, Courtney says we'll make you into a popular girl, like, we'll give you a makeover, and you can hang out with us, and you'll have, like, friends and a social life, and you won't be alone anymore, and all you have to do is keep our secret. And she's like, okay. And so she turns oh, wow. into this, like, <laughs> she turns into this huge, like, Courtney-esque bitch, and they start, like, fighting, and um, they're, the lie that they told and this murder just spirals more and more and more out of control, uh, and it all culminates at the prom, obviously, because... We all know that everything comes to an end at the prom. And I really like the style of the movie because the the costumes are very kind of like clueless-esque. Like this movie exists in a world where girls always have the time, energy, and money to have perfect hair, like perfect makeup, jewelry, and bag, and shoes that matches like a perfect outfit like every single day as if as if college is like I mean if, as if high school is like every day is like a photo shoot or something and it's um it's not the same costume designer as Clueless but it's one of that what Mona May is the costume designer from Clueless and like Romy and Michelle she's awesome and I guess one of the girls that worked for her went on to do this movie and you could totally tell because it has its very own unique distinct style and look and it just like fascinated me as a kid and I still think it's really really entertaining and it definitely stands on its own nice mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to watch it at some point yeah i think you would like it it's wild mm. yeah no it seems pretty crazy and it was made in 1999 so that's how you know it's a great movie mm -hmm. it's one of those things like who would even think of that like put a jawbreaker in someone's mouth and that's how they die like really and there's a filming location in this that is one of my favorite filming locations. It's the Bob's Big Boy Broiler in Downey, California, and there are many, many movies that were filmed there. If you Google it, you might recognize it, especially if you're a film fan. I've always just been, like, captivated by it for some reason, I guess because I saw it in so many movies, and I have a goal. Like, it's not even a goal. I could do it. I just have to figure out how and when and money and stuff, but I want to go on, like, a cross-country trip and, like, have that be, like, where I... And, like, instead of just going to L.A. or whatever, like, I want to drive from here to there. Bask in the film location, Gloria. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I feel like there are probably extensive maps of the entire country with film locations. Yes. On okay, I'll pick you up at five. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. They definitely have California mapped out. Oh, Los definitely. Angeles. Yeah. And they've done it for, like, specific sets like a Breaking Bad tour of Albuquerque type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of those in obviously in New York City too and around here. Like there's a Sopranos one around here. We're in, we're recording in Rutherford, New Jersey right now. Yeah. Um hmm. Yeah, the Sopranos one is kinda cool. I do kinda wanna go to the bottom bang. Really? No, I don't really want to go to the bottom bang. <laughs> I mean <laughs> It's sad dolls is the bottom bang. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, in um, Westwood slash Park Ridge, like right on the line, they have James Gandolfini Way because that's where he lived, and mm. he's so probably, he was actually a Jersey guy. Yeah. He was actually. Um, yeah. I don't know if he was from here, but he lived here up until his death. Like I, I've seen, I saw him multiple times. Like he's, he's one of the only, well, probably the only celebrity that I would just like see, you know, like not, not when I was. Like, working in the city on something or whatever, like, just in life, like, I would just, like, see him. And it was not, I mean, it wasn't, like, I was still, like, oh, my fucking God, it's James Gandolfini. But, like, <laughs> it was it was more normal than, like, I don't know, seeing other celebrities, I guess. And um, everyone around here. A little less normal than see, seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman. <gasps> but a little bit more. <laughs> oh, Another I, great that you got to meet. <laughs> I love you, Philip, forever. Um, yeah. But... He, uh, he w- is amazing as a person and nothing like Tony Soprano. Like, everyone around here knows that. Like, everybody has a story about him. And he was, like, the nicest, like, sweetheart kind of guy. R.I.P. R.I.P. So many... Oh, my God. The best he actors made one in of the, the world. Best shows ever. Have some great left movies. Up. Yeah. All right. So somebody who's made um, some other television shows and movies. Uh a guy named uh, Seth Rogen stars in this. Yes. It's not directed by him. It's directed by Brandon Trost. Right. And by the way, if you watch any of our food pics, tweet uh, or DM us at Movie Cinema Film on Instagram. Yes, please. Let me know your thoughts. And wait, send us your favorite. <clears throat> send us your favorite food movies not necessarily about food like we're not talking about like chef or something i mean that you know it has to have food in the title okay follow the rules do you know the fp what's the fp that's like the only other film that he's directed Hmm. yeah i didn't know um every time i watch a movie i look at the director and i didn't recognize him Oh, wow, that's a weird concept for a film. His first film was basically about how these gangs played Dance Dance Revolution to solve things. Ah! <laughs> so they had dance battles? Yeah, basically dance battles. Oh, my God. The FP. Fraser Park. I love that. I guess it's a satire. Uh, yeah. Um, but besides that, he's been a cinematographer. For a lot of films that Seth Rogen that the that Seth Rogen worked on, hmm. and produced like Neighbors, This Is the End, The Interview, um, Gruber. Well, it's awesome that he was able to Neighbors in- to impress Seth enough to get this directing job. Yeah, I guess he's a really good cinematographer, and I thought this film was good too. Yeah. So, um. I'm gonna, so should I continue with my Howard Stern story? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I cut you off at the right time, and now people are really curious about where it's going. Yes, people are like, excuse me, that was so compelling, I want to hear her talk about someone talking. <laughs> so, also the NBA Finals are on, and I'm like very distracted, it's a tie game, 8-8. Uh, anyway, so, so I saw him, heard him on Howard, and uh, it was really interesting because I didn't know anything about the movie and I just heard like from Howard's questions what was going on uh which he was like you know did you have a dialect coach like how did you get such a good accent 
And I was like, interesting, you know, like, what, what's the accent? And then I just kind of heard these little droplets of information about the movie. <laughs> but I just tend to watch all of Seth Rogen's movies anyway, like, pretty much since, pretty much since, what was that, 40-Year-Old Virgin, I always, like, watch, I've seen probably, I don't know about every single one, but almost every single one since then, so I knew I was going to watch it. Um, what did you know about the movie ahead of time? Uh, basically similar things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know too much about it. I think I listened to like a Seth Rogen interview somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because Seth Rogen's had like a long career, so it's fun to listen to him as an actor and comedian and a writer and director uh, to hear what he has to say about projects and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, not as many as I would have liked, you know? Like, I feel like I could have gotten more in-depth interviews with Seth mm-hmm. Rogen. Yeah. He doesn't give a lot out. Like, I feel like he's saving a lot. Yeah, maybe interviews. if you listen to him on Howard Stern, he has so many good interviews from there. Mm, yeah. Also, his life is pro- his life is probably very boring now. <laughs> he's probably just doing work all the time. He's probably just doing producing and acting and writing, and then that's all he does. No, haven't you seen his Instagram? No, what's going on? Is <laughs> I would say guess, but you'll never guess. He makes pottery. Oh, I did kind of hear about that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a professional now. He makes really, really nice pottery, actually. Well, hey. If, yeah. If you don't have to do anything for the rest of your life, like with the success you've had in the past, why would you not pick up new hobbies? I know. You know? Like after a certain point, it's just like, why would you want to keep doing something you're that good at? I assume that he'll eventually take on other things, too. Like he'll probably direct more movies, I think. He'll, he'll direct... I mean, I know he'll direct more movies, but he'll direct, like, all the time. Like, he'll be in the director's chair a lot, you know. That's my prediction. I look forward to it. Yeah. We're a fan. Seth, come on the show. Yeah, Seth Rogen should definitely come on the show. I wonder if he would. What would we do if we got Seth Rogen on the show? Would we just, like, set up a situation where we could, like, smoke weed with him? Yes. Simultaneously, wherever he is? Have to. Yeah. Uh, and I would I would get a COVID test, and I would ask him to get one so that I could hug him for, like, three minutes before we start. Uh, I feel like we'd have to go remote. I don't know if we could get him. <laughs> I don't know if we could get him. In person? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll, well find out. I'll hit him up. I'll get IMDb Pro and hit him up. Thank God. So, okay, so no hug, but I can dream. Um, so, this film. This film. Great. Perfect. Exactly what we need for these times. Perfect? I wouldn't say perfect. Perfect for these times. Not a perfect film. Yeah. But, like, it's it's just, like, distractionism. Like, it's just, like, something that's about some other time and about some other people. Uh... And I thought it was funny. Like, I thought there were lines that were very clever and quick. Mm-hmm. And I liked the performances. Well, you know what I liked about it is that I feel like a lot of movies that Seth and um, Evan Goldberg, who his, his producing partner and writing partner, I feel like... I feel like a lot of the movies they produce are obviously... There's a lot of dick jokes and that kind of humor... And I love that he did this movie that there really wasn't anything, Mm -hmm. there were no weed jokes, there were no dick jokes, there were no, I mean, unless I miss one, but it definitely wasn't overt the way that it usually is. And, like, I love dick jokes just as much as the next girl, 
Especially if the next girl loves them a lot, because I do. <laughs> I think they're funny, you know, and done well. But, um, but also, like, the weed thing, I feel like you get in a few good jokes before it's like, okay, we understand, like, you know. But it was different. Like, it was more of a dramedy. It was really serious, you know. It, it wasn't, like, totally goofy. Yeah, there was, like, sci-fi fantasy elements, but it wasn't, like, something like Sausage Party, which is, like, you know, very silly. And... I think it's a good direction for him to go in because he also did that one 50-50. I don't know if he, like, produced that one, but um, that was also really yeah, serious. Yeah, like, Seth Rogen had very little to do with a lot of stuff. Like, I'm assuming he and Evan Goldberg probably did a lot of the crew, like, picked a lot of the crew, and, like, it was their production company, but, like, it was written by Simon Rich, so they weren't even in the writing room, really, for it. So, it is definitely a different kind of Seth Rogen film, I think. Yeah. I think they did develop it, if I'm not mistaken. But Weird. You might have heard that in the interview. Yeah. That um, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, they awesome. didn't, they didn't, they've co-written a lot, and they, they didn't do that on this one. But, what did you think of his performance playing two different people? It reminded me of The Parent Trap. <laughs> uh, I thought it, I thought it was great. Yeah, like I I didn't know I wanted this Seth Rogen character, but like you said, it was like very good to see a character that was like funny in a way that like mm-hmm. Seth Rogen definitely knows because he's like playing like his great Jewish grandparents and great great Jewish grandparents and like playing a stereotype of like his relatives and stuff like that mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but like. Uh, it was, like, a very interesting character to watch. Like, it was very compelling. Like, it didn't seem fake. Like, you wanted to, you wanted it to be fake at times, and w- you wanted to be like, oh, Seth Rogen can't do this. But, like, he was good. He pulled it off, like, mm-hmm. through it. And, like, the other character was, like, a very relatable character for a lot of millennials, I think, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, like, figuring out how to make money in a time where, like, a lot of people just make money off of fake shit, and, like, a lot of people make money off of, like, just imaginary, non-tangible things, like intellectual property like code like we're making podcasts like you can't feel a podcast like you listen to it and you hope that a mass number of people listen to your podcast but like that's the best you can do but like his great grandfather like had to make an object he had to make pickles day in and day out and sell them in order to make an honest living and it's like yeah like we're very much living in a different time and it's like that is what society needs in a lot of ways is people who actually know how to make shit because nobody knows how to make shit here because we outsourced all of our jobs and like got so lazy like people who had wealth are the laziest people in the world and then other people just never had access to it in the first place you know mm-hmm. like I feel like that's where America's at right now where like nobody even makes shit anymore like it's just like oh we just get it shipped to us and like if it doesn't work like we just buy the other one you know yeah isn't it when you think about those times of his great great grandfather like everything that you purchased was like made by someone like by hand you know everything that you used it was like a craftsman really spending his quality time and energy and blood sweat and tears and now it's like Amazon there's some kind of pact with the devil that was made and people just decided that you had to make shitty furniture, shitty stuff that breaks. Like, you could make an iPhone that never decomposes and it works forever and it's very efficient, but, like, they choose to make something that degrades after two years 
and gets bad and doesn't work anymore so that you want to get a new one and like re-up your contract and get into debt like buying an iPhone and like get the Apple credit card so that you could put all of your money into there when you have to pay interest you know <laughs> and that's how like a lot of stuff like you said with Amazon operates and a lot of companies operate and we put ourselves into debt trying to think that we're going to make money one day when really like we should just be making like money from selling one pickle jar at a time and being like oh today we have five dollars and then tomorrow we might have ten dollars and then the next day we might have twenty dollars you know because yeah. that's really the only way you can build a business but everybody thinks it's overnight because everybody's an overnight success now like when you read the articles on the internet but overnight success just means they're rich and they paid for media attention they paid for press releases to go to the right places or it means it's someone who actually did work forever but then yes. they're suddenly getting recognition and then people are like oh this person is like brand new they just came overnight it's like mm, actually there's been a lot behind this it's just I feel like when people become famous and then their whole thing is like before they were stars and it's like as if there's like some ending to something and then when you're famous it's like your life begins or when you've like reached that pinnacle it's like that's when your life begins and everything else it's like how did you get here you know what I mean how did you get here it's like every that's like everybody wants to know the secret yeah but that sells tabloids and that sells like TMZ like that's why they put that out there is because they want to make it look like acting isn't just a job like they want to make it look like it's above other people so that people stalk these really attractive people that uh, a bunch of production companies are financially incentivized to like get press out about them and like that's the truth of the matter <laughs> unfortunately so celebrity culture is really weird yeah like legit like look at twitter like random nights you'll just see that like a random like twig male like actor is canceled and you're just like why is this twig like why is timothy chalamet canceled and then it's just a bunch of k-pop people like tweeting about some shit and then you're like oh that's probably like ansel elgort's like management like putting out all these bad things about timothy chalamet so that he gets all the roles or lucas hedges management putting out bad shit about the other people so that they get the roles wow you're really thinking deviously how do they just trend all of a sudden? Like, people don't give that much shits about them. Like, it's definitely bots. Like, they're definitely paying bots to, like, be like, oh my gosh, like, I heard that somebody trimmed their hedges, like, reminds me of Lucas Hedges, and that's just, like, a shirtless picture of Lucas Hedges. And it's just like, who put that out there? That's a bot just made to generate publicity so that people keep Googling Lucas Hedges. You know? Speaking of him, I recently went to Manchester by the Sea. And he wasn't there, and neither of the Afflecks were there, so. Wow. It was fake. That is what very a fake appalling. movie, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, with uh, this movie, I actually thought that, I think some people said it was kind of, like, underwritten, mm. but I don't agree. Like, I actually felt, like, I liked that they focused the story on, the story between Seth and his great-grandfather, like, I enjoyed that there wasn't a girlfriend who was always there saying, oh, honey, you you know, you have to tell him the truth. And I liked that he didn't have, like, a weed habit and that, you know, and and all these other things. It was just, this is the story. This is what we're focusing on. It doesn't mean this character only has the things we're showing you, but we're not going to have all of these unnecessary distractions in the movie. And I I guess some people, like, would prefer if there was multiple plot lines but I 
enjoy the way that they did it. I thought it was very straightforward. Yeah, I think, like, everything really served the story, which is a very complex and, like, hard to take at face value story as is. So it's like, why why add other things to make it seem less real? Mm-hmm. Like, it's already not real that, like, a guy would survive through being in a pickle brine for, <laughs> uh, like, 150 years. So, like, after they do that, they do a great job of, like, making everything seem very plausible, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, really playing into the realism of, like, well, what if this did happen? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, it never would, but, like, what if it did, you know? Um, yeah, and it made me, it makes you really think about, like, how much America has changed and, like, how much culture changes over time in a place, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think people talk about that enough, like, how dramatically different, like, life is for people who are 70 from when they were kids, how dramatically different life is for people who are 90 from when they were kids. Like, anybody who's 90 right now is just, like, living in a world that, like, their head must be exploding, like, every day. Like, that's why their brains are just not even there anymore, and you have, like, pharmaceuticals rotting them so that, like, they could be okay with the fact that everything has changed so quickly. Because, <laughs> like, I don't think people would be able to handle, like, thinking back to their childhood of, like, no electricity, no phones, no nothing, and it's just, like, oh my gosh, like, everything's moving at... 500 miles per hour like there's a computer over there there's a phone over there everything's buzzing like that is mm-hmm. so much that is such a difference yeah my dad isn't 90 but he's on the older side and every time if we're in the car and I'm looking at my phone or texting or typing or whatever he always on a consistent basis is like what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing as if because when he reaches for his cell phone which he has a flip phone He has a purpose of reaching for it. He is, like, using it to call someone, and that's it, or check his voicemail. He doesn't know how to text. And I'm always trying to say, like, Dad, I'm just, like, checking my phone, you know? And he's like, oh, did someone call you? And I'm like, no. (laughs) I'm like, Dad, I'm like, imagine if you had, like, a newspaper in your hand that refreshed every five seconds, and there was new news all the time. (laughs) That's what I'm doing, you know? And... It's just beyond his... I'm sure he could under... Like, he's not stupid. He could understand it if he took the time and had the peace of mind and was determined to actually understand it, but he doesn't... Like, even just my screen, I remember he was in the hot... Sorry. I almost just destroyed their setup in here with my feet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) When he was in the hospital one time, and I was sitting with him, and I was showing him on my phone Wikipedia articles about different historical things that he is interested in, and I was just handing it to him and then he would read it and then he would hand it back to me so that I could like find something else for him because I knew that he wasn't like he I even because I was trying to explain to him how to like scroll on an iPhone and just with your finger you know and even that he was like whoa (laughs) you know what I mean so I got him to do that but that but then he would hand me the phone and he would be like yeah like look up this guy or look up that guy and he really just has no he's never used a computer like he has no desire he thinks it's ridiculous wow yeah. That is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is your favorite... Wait, first I want to say, what reminded me of you, because the only place I've ever had this was at your house, is pea milk. Do you remember the pea, when he mentioned the pea milk? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, we have pea milk, like, you can milk peas now, which I still don't understand how that Oh, happens. my gosh, it's the best milk. It is really good. But I don't understand it. But I don't have to understand it. To I think it's it. split peas. 
Okay. And then you basically go through the same process that you would go with for oat milk. Like, there's a pulp probably at the end, but you filter that out. Why isn't it green? Because they probably blanch the split peas. Hmm. Like, they blanch almonds. Why isn't almond milk brown? Well, because the inside of almonds are white, but peas on the inside are green. I don't I know. I think split peas are different things than regular peas. Oh, oh, oh. Like might be wrong. Oh, like split pea soup. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Got, now I understand. I don't know. Maybe somebody is, like, sitting at home right now just being like, Jordan, you're a fucking idiot. Correct yourself. Google it. No, I refuse to. No, I don't feel like Googling right now. Um, you guys are just going to have to sit there through it. But the other joke I really liked, because shout out to 90s kids, is when he said that he had a Jumanji-themed bat mitzvah, or bar mitzvah. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that just, like... I liked those little details. It was just very fast. Yeah, yeah. like, this film was very tight. I don't think it was underwritten. Yeah, anything. and then... Like, it just felt like there wasn't unnecessary fluff. Like, it felt like it was a movie that had a purpose and got in and got out. Yeah, I did feel like some of the Brooklyn stuff was overdone. Like, it, like some of the Brooklyn stuff was funny five years ago, you know, when Brooklyn yeah. was more, I mean, I guess Brooklyn started being all hipstery more like 10 years ago now, but, you know, some of the, like, the whole thing of, oh, of course, like, now he's, he's so successful overnight because he is just selling pickles and, you know, people in Brooklyn will just go for anything, you know, that kind of thing, I feel like has been done a little too much in TV, but, and, and movies, but, um, I loved when they mentioned Smorgasbord, and he's like, he's like, let's go there. They have, like, some kind of weird tacos or whatever he said. It's so funny because when you are at Smorgasbord or any kind of, like, food truck fair or anything, it's, like, the, the weird shit that everybody comes up with, like, the new ways to do the most simple things are so funny. And then you end up just going anyway to, like, some old school taco window where they don't even have like a real restaurant or anything but that's like the best food you know <laughs> or some like little dive in in koreatown or something that has the best bad ones or whatever like but i mean i like smorgasbord too but i thought that was funny i like when there's jokes built in that are good for the locals you know like 30 rock was so full of those you know there were so many jokes on 30 rock that i'm sorry you don't understand unless you live here so this definitely wasn't made for Brooklyn people. It was definitely made for people who were like, oh, you Brooklyn people need to suck it up. Like, your life is so easy. Like, look how easy your life is. Like, I feel like that was who this uh, film was a little bit tailored to, which probably makes it a lot of money and gets it on HBO Max, you know? Is that, like, people are watching it at home who have cable subscriptions and who have the money to spend on HBO Max. I love HBO Max, by the way. Yeah, no, it's, like, a good selection of movies. I don't know if I would pay for it separately if, like, I wasn't getting it through other people's cable accounts, but... Yeah, same. I get it through my parents. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah, as long as my parents still like cable, it's it's I'm a in. blessing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they live in the suburbs. Like, that's the thing. In the suburbs, like, cable will always probably be relevant to a certain extent because, like, it makes you feel like you're present to something if you don't have cable like netflix doesn't give you that presence you know you get lost in netflix and feel like more alone sometimes mm -hmm. but like if you turn on cable like a commercial comes on and it feels like somebody's addressing you like in the room and then you're watching like a newscaster and the newscaster's like talking and they're live and they're talking about today's news and you're like oh wow so 
things change as days <laughs> go on. I feel like with Netflix, sometimes it's just like, ah, I've watched like three episodes of Ozark today. Like, it's still, uh, still light out. <laughs> and I've watched three episodes of Ozark. And now what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> but if you're watching TV, like we're watching the NBA finals right now, like I feel like I'm watching history, even though I'm just watching... BS entertainment, like all sports are, but like because it's on TV, you're like, this is live, this is happening now. Yeah. Like I have to be a part of this, and that's why sports are so successful, is because now people are like, oh, this has a context. Like there's been years and years of this. Like people come and do this as a tradition. It's like a religion. I love basketball. Yeah. I'm just watching, but what was I gonna say? Oh, so this will be fun. What, I just looked up uh, Seth's whole filmography. What is your favorite Seth Rogen movie? That he's acted in? Um, I would probably have to say, um, let's go with, hmm. Hmm. That is kind of tough. Um, I would say. I'm trying to figure out my top three because I def can't pick one. Uh, I think that, like, Pineapple Express is just a classic. Like, that will forever be one of the great stoner (laughs) movies. Yeah. And I think, like, yeah, just forever, that is, like, one of his great films and great performances. I love him in Funny People, and that's one of my, like, personal faves. I love him in that, too. Um, I think that is, like, very much the description of, like, being a stand-up comedy comic like coming in to the world of stand-up comedy is like you're doing like bullshit for older comics and like they're so f- sad and they make you be like why am i even doing this mm-hmm. like you're fighting for uh like opportunities that don't even seem good by the time you get there and you're just yeah. like why did i fight for this <laughs> and it's like oh it's that one time on stage like it's that feeling of like getting a laugh that like no matter how bad everything else is like if you have a full crowd and they laugh like it was worth it you know oh my god getting a laugh is like heroin yeah except better yeah so i love zach and mary make a porno Wow, I have never watched it. Maybe I should get into it. It's a Kevin Smith movie, and around the time it came out, I was heavy, heavy, heavy obsessed with his podcast. And uh, he stopped making it for three months and was so devastated because it didn't do well. Mm. And then he came out with, like, the podcast that he came out with after that was just, like, him talking about how heartbreaking it was. But I actually really... I think the movie came out on Halloween that year, and I think... Everybody was out, and, like, they just didn't want to go opening weekend. But it's, it's, I think it's really good. It's very funny, and it's, it's very, like, crude and, you know, um, all that. But it's, um, it's that, like, wild Kevin Smith vibe, but it's also really, really, really sweet. Like, the relationship between him and Elizabeth Banks is awesome. And he's great in it. He really, like, pulls that off. But I think my favorite of his is super. Wait, bad. wait, we can't talk about it anymore. The Weinstein Company distributed it. Now I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not Kevin's fault, you know. But no, the Weinstein's were heavily involved with Kevin's whole career. They they're the ones that bought Clerks. So I mean, Miramax. So I mean, I feel like there's just too many great movies. Like, yes, Harvey Weinstein is the scholar of the earth, but he was good at. Uh, picking 
movies, and I feel like we should just honor the people in them and just pretend like he... Because they shouldn't, they shouldn't have their movies, like, not watched because of him, you know? Like, that, like, Ke- like he had nothing to do with the making of Clerks, you know? Like, that was Kevin yeah. and his friends' hard work and all that kind of stuff, you know, so... But it is just his money and his greenlighting that enabled him. Like, because he greenlit a lot of, like, more woke artists, mm-hmm. I guess, so to speak. Like, wokeness wasn't really talked about, I guess. But, like, he was, like, one of the more liberal, like... Uh, producers, you know, like, he was producing, like, uh, very sex-positive things, gay things, and, like... Just uh, interesting characters. Just diverse characters, indie stuff. But he, I feel like he just did that so that he could get into people's pants and just wreck people's lives and, like, hold that over them that, like, I have so much more money than you that I could greenlight your thing or not greenlight your thing. And, like, you're gonna fucking do whatever I want, which, like, is not how the industry should work. Yeah, I mean, he's a horrible, disgusting person, but, um... And now Jeff Bezos does what he did. <laughs> Without the sex stuff. Well... Yeah, the rape stuff. Let's see. Yes. Um, anyway... <laughs> uh, what is this new Tom Hanks movie that I'm seeing? What is this? I don't know, it looks kind of weird. We have the TV on, we're just... Because we're watching the finals, but... Oh, so that's where he was. He was not being a pedophile in Greece, as oh everybody is saying. Oh, this is the movie he was filming when he got the virus? Probably, yeah. And that looks like Australia. News of the world. I will definitely see that. So, I think my favorite movie of his ultimately is super bad. I still think it's so funny. Yeah, that's just, like, that's very classic, Mm -hmm. and just, like, anybody's first, like, well-done thing, Mm -hmm. I think, like, says a lot about their artistry, and that was, like, his first script with his best friend. Yeah. So it's just, Mm -hmm. like, the fact that you knew that they came up with it a very long time before they actually produced it, so they put a lot of work into fixing it, they made sure everybody was cast the right way, they had Judd Apatow, who was probably the perfect person to put that together, Greg Mm -hmm. Mottolo... And, like, Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill are just iconic in that film. I still think it's so funny. Like, all the jokes that I've seen so many times, it, they, it still makes me laugh. Especially the scene where McLovin, like, he shows them the ID. I still think that's, like, one of the funniest scenes in a comedy ever. I think Jonah's so good. Like, they're they're all, like, all three of them are so good. Like, they just nailed their roles, roles so perfectly. Yeah, and, like, there are a lot of things that, like, don't age well about it, I think, with, like, the sexual, like... Mm-hmm politics about it and like rape culture at parties and stuff like that (laughs) but like people talk about that all the time and I think like it does really work because like they are really dweeby and they don't know anything about the world and like that really is like who their characters are it's like you do you do look at them and you're just like no (laughs) they don't really mean bad things like they are just really just fucking confused and sad and they're just what teenagers are (laughs) and it's a sweet like friendship movie you know yeah there's also this movie that he did with Barbra Streisand called The Guilt Trip. Oh, yeah, you love this one. I love that movie, and Seth doesn't like it. He's admitted that he was upset when he was promoting it because he didn't feel like it turned out very well and that it was just kind of this studio, like, BS comedy, but I totally disagree. I love it. I think that him and Barbra Streisand completely pull off the mother and son thing. I think they're both so great in it, and I think it's really sweet. Is it 
like should they have won Oscars? Maybe not. But like I like again, like I loved that he went a different direction and he tried something outside of his normal vibe. It's a good movie. I actually need to watch it again. Anyway. Well. So should we give our final thoughts? We didn't really need a spoiler thing. Yeah, for this. this wasn't really spoiler dependent. Yeah. Um, it's like sp- Shakespeare. You know how it ends. Mm-hmm. But. Well, it, we don't really have to talk about the end. The end was just good. Yeah, it was fun. I liked it. I like the film as a whole. You guys should all watch it if you have HBO Max. I wouldn't say get HBO Max specifically for this. For this, no. But I I liked I it. Know. It was a nice movie. I'm not saying you have to see it, but I actually. Um, so the stuff, like, in the temple and everything, I think there should be more, just like there should be more black stories, there should be more Jewish stories and Jewish culture like this in films, because I actually have a couple of, actually a lot of my friends are either Jewish or part Jewish, and, um, one of my friends, I was gonna say she's super Jewish, (laughs) but I just mean that she, like, practices, you know? Um, she is always talking to me and like posting on her story about anti-semitism and stuff and I always feel like awful because I really didn't know that was going on that much so I think it's awesome that he went so deep with this movie like it wasn't I think he and Mark Maron phrased it this is the most Jewy movie that's been out in the mainstream for a very long time yeah man <laughs> I mean it's good it like, is very Jewish I, I love that they went that deep with it and you know he in those more dramatic scenes he was great I, I really like him as an actor not just as uh, one of the funny people from Funny People. Also, the one thing about Seth Rogen was in his press tour, also talking about Judaism, um, he was also saying that he thinks that there are issues with how Israel is handling the Palestine situation, which not a lot of mainstream Jews would say. So, like, that is also very ballsy. I love when celebrities stand the fuck up and yeah. say what they feel about issues that could get them in trouble. That um, is, like, one of the weirdest things in politics, that, like, if you say that Israel is, like, doing bad things, then, like, you're exiled in politics, and they will try to get you out of Congress. It's really wild. Well, I also don't understand when people say, they'll say a celebrity will comment on the election or something, and people will be like, stick to acting! And I'm like... But they're they're just a citizen like everybody else. Yes, they're celebrities, and but if the postman can comment on the election, and the guy who works in the convenience store can comment on the election, and the woman who works in the law office can comment on the election, why can't the actor comment on the election? If I was famous, I would be. Oh my God, I would be campaigning so hard. I mean, I could. I not that you have to be famous to do that, but I would be all over the internet like. Biden, please vote 2020. Let's get this asshole out of here. I mean, I would be going so. I mean, I'm already kind of. I'm doing that, but if I had millions of followers, if I had Seth Rogen's reach or something like that, are you kidding? I wouldn't be able to talk about anything else. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think, like. Yeah, when actors give their political opinions, it's good. But also, like, actors are actors, so, like, you have to be very wary of anything an actor says publicly because, like, they're literally people who are trained to lie and, like, act a certain way and say what they were fed to say and, like, memorize scripts and, like, act sympathetic to certain things that they're supposed to act sympathetic to, you know? So, like, that, there is that aspect of, like, actors saying things where I'm like, 
All right. But there are still some real bitches out there. Yeah, no. that Well, that's why it's like when you get that, it's like kind of a breath of fresh air. Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, like the Muslim Brotherhood isn't paying like Seth Rogen to say this. You know? <laughs> like, like you know that there's not an ulterior motive for him to say that. <laughs> like that's legitimately <laughs> something that like American Jews need to stand up against and say. And yeah. like there are other ways that celebrities stand up. Yeah. So, anything else? Do you recommend this movie? I do recommend it. Yeah, like I said, uh, watch the movie. Uh, I feel like it's so low stakes now that you're not really going to a theater. It's like, just turn it on. Who cares? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> if you have access to HBO Max, like, it's a no-brainer. Just watch this movie. This yeah. is one of the best movies you have available if you have HBO Max. And if you don't say. like it, turn it off. It's You know, you're not you're not leaving your house, getting dressed, and going to the theater and spending $15. It's... Kind of like whatever. And if so. you're an anti-Semite, this gets rid of your anti-Semite card for the day. You're actually a good person if you watch it. No. <laughs> you're you're totally forgiven if you watch this movie, yeah. You could write Hail Hitler all over a graveyard, and then you watch this movie and it's all okay. Oh my god. You have appreciation for the Jewish culture. It took us this long to mention Hitler. Surprised. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, to hey, uh, if you guys are listening to this uh, around when it comes out, you guys should come to New Jersey Weedman's Joint in Trenton. On Wednesday. On the first, second, and third Wednesdays of the month, 8 to 10 p.m. We always have special guests. Uh, it's always a fun time. Always some good comedy. Also, October 15th, I am having an exclusive VIP Cat Cafe show that's going to be taped into some kind of web series or pilot. So if you have any interest in coming to the show, please DM our account and you could be oh one of the God. only people who's allowed in. Because like with COVID restrictions, we're only letting 10 people into that place. So 10? Yeah, it's going to be small as hell. Yeah. Wait, I want to go. What time? Uh, I think it's going to be 8 p.m. October 15th. The 15th? Yeah, that's this week. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, wait. I have a party, but I should be back by then. Hey. Yo, I want to the first people in. Wait, Cambria's where? Haven. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm so excited. Jordan and cats. Yeah, and if you know anything about me and cats, uh, <laughs> when we're together, uh, great things happen. Like when I was in the high school musical production of Cats. Um, oh my god high school. I remember when That's I learned that yeah. <laughs> when I learned that about you I was very excited um, yeah and also like uh, this cat cafe Cambria's Haven follow them on uh, Instagram uh, this is free press for them they're trying to get some cats adopted in this weird time and I'm sure there's a lot of people looking for kitties um, I didn't even know that there was a cat cafe nearby yeah Roselle Park everybody should check it out um uh, the address is like 19 Westfield Ave, I think. Uh, I will post that somewhere, though. So if you guys want to follow me on Instagram, you can find it there. Uh, sorry for this long, long plug. Uh, and also, this uh, Cambria's Haven place, they're having a festival on Saturday, October 17th as well, that I will be performing in uh, called Urban Renaissance with a lot of other talented musicians. There's going to be vegan food there as well. Uh, and it's just going to be a wonderful event. A lot of love had. Um, Do you guys see how Jordan never stops? That's how I don't I don't worry about you. Because, like, I know you'll always be on it and you'll always do something. 
Yeah, it's just, it's a grind, and that's why we plug, that's why we do podcasts. So if you guys want to support this podcast also, you guys would be our hero. Uh, go to anchor.fm slash film slash support, and you guys could donate to us monthly so that we could do this professionally and, like, go to film festivals. You guys could, like, pay for my Montclair Film Festival pass so that I can <laughs> tell you which films to watch. Yes. How wonderful would that be? Um, Give us money, like, hello. Honestly, though, like, it gets expensive watching movies. We don't have legit press passes yet. Um, yet, but we will. Yeah. And the more you guys support us and the more you guys tell your friends, uh, the more money we get from advertisers. And if we get advertising, uh, like I said, we could watch and give you guys more comprehensive uh, film reviews and uh, break down some really dense stuff. We'll do you know? it. Uh, if you guys have any dense films, message the accounts. DM Movie Cinema Film on Instagram. Follow us uh, on Twitter. I think we're Movie Cinema Phil. Yes. Yes, there's no M. Movie Cinema Film without the M. And follow us. Tweet us. Let us know if you watch any of our recommendations.